you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Well, tonight we're going to pick up in the book of Acts. And uh, last week we recapped uh, lesson one, uh, which we covered verses one through six last week. Uh, we covered verses 7 through 16 of Acts, the first chapter. And tonight we pick up in Acts chapter 1. We pick up with verse number 16. And by the help of the Lord, we're going to uh, arrive at the conclusion of the first chapter of the book of Acts. Then uh, we will be picking up, of course, with Acts chapter 2 uh, following that. But I do want to say to you, and, and this is the Wednesday night crowd, not everyone that is here on, normally here on Wednesday here tonight. There's a lot of school activities that are taking several out. But I do want to mention to you that over the next um, eight or ten weeks, there are going to be several Wednesdays uh, that uh, you may notice in uh, the schedule if you, if you receive a schedule on Sunday, or if you stop out in the foyer and pick up one of the schedules, you'll see we have some scheduled Wednesday Wednesday night offs because we have things like camp meeting and uh, that sort of thing that is happening. Uh, also, uh, we may just uh, by necessity be required to cancel a couple of Wednesday nights for uh, for work uh, at the campus. And I know we've been we've been at this two years now. And we're right at the very, very end. And uh, I, I have I have called dates and said these are deadline dates, and and they kind of hadn't meant anything. We've just kind of gone right on through them. But we are right down to uh, some of the final, final details of getting moved in, and we're actually uh, working, orchestrating how we're going to go about making our transition into the new building. And so we are, we're very, very close to that. And uh, the reason that we cancel, may have to cancel Wednesday nights is not because we have a, a big crowd, but because the guys that are here that normally work uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays um, are usually at church on Wednesday. And uh, some of them have said, Pastor, we, we need a few extra nights to be able to get this thing, these things wrapped up so we can get moved in. So we're right here. And, of course, I'm trusting that when we call for that additional help, that we'll get some additional help to get to, to make the move. Uh, we're right at the end. The guys are very weary, tired. Uh, they put in so many months of hard physical labor. We're right here at the end. We're about to make the move. And, um, and so I hope you're, patience, you're patient with us and it doesn't destroy what we're doing on Wednesday night. But uh, 
we will be very careful in the canceling. I don't like to cancel service. And so we want to have as many services as possible. And um, so uh, just be watching for that uh, through this summer. Now, I'm going to begin tonight in Acts chapter 1, verse number 16, if I may. And uh, we're going to uh, we're going to walk through the remainder of Acts chapter 1, and uh, we'll see what the Lord uh, has for us. Now, here in the 16th verse, Peter begins to speak to, uh, to them. The them here, of course, that we have been talking about are the apostles that Peter is speaking to. And um, as, he is, as he is talking to them, of course, we have been picking up and trying to relay. Thank you, Dylan, for the help. Uh, so verse number 16, if you have your Bibles, want to turn there with me. Men and brethren, remember now, Peter stands up in the middle of the crowd, and um, this is the first address that Peter gives. Now, normally we pick up and say that Acts chapter 2 uh, is the first message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Uh, Acts chapter 2 is the first message that Peter preached uh, after the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost. But here we are seeing that Peter is, of course, addressing them. Uh, he is addressing the people during their prayer meeting, all right? So after Jesus has uh, ascended into heaven and they have gone and tarried in Jerusalem, about 120 of them, they then begin to, uh, to be in prayer and supplication, the Bible says, and uh, then verse 16 picks up with uh, Peter stands up in the middle of them. And he says, men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost, by the mouth of David, spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. Now, there's several things that's going on here in this text, of course. He stands up, addresses them, men and brethren. Uh, this scripture, the scripture must needs be fulfilled. Now, the first subject of Peter's message is, of course, that the scripture needs to be fulfilled. Now, there's something that I want to point out here is the infallibility of the Word of God. God's Word cannot fail. It cannot lie. Now, um, I, 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 there's a few things I, I just want to say here. First of all, I never deny when a man or woman tells me God spoke to me. If I know them and I know their prayer life and I know their uh, I know their walk with God, and somebody tells me God spoke to me. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. I believe God still speaks to people. But I will tell you this. If all of God speaking to you, you are expecting to come by an audible, audible voice in some spiritual supernatural moment, you are missing something very important. That when God needs to speak to you most of the time, He's going to speak to you through the pages of His Word. 
And when he speaks to you through the pages of his word, there's another way that God speaks to you. He will speak to you by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost by those whom he has called to preach the gospel. And so God will speak to you through the pages of his word. He will speak to you through the man of God. And I believe that God still speaks to people individually. But it's real easy for people to declare, God spoke to me when God hasn't spoken. As a matter of fact, the scripture even tells us that toward the end time that people would say, thus saith the Lord when God has not spoken. And so we must be very, very cautious and careful of what we receive as the Word of God. But I will tell you that when you read the Scripture, it is the infallible Word of God. It means it cannot fail. It is not a lie. It will always be true. And whatever the Scripture said will always come to pass. So Peter begins here uh, speaking to them. And Luke, of course, is... He is sharing, remember, the subject now, of course, is to Theophilus. And he has addressed this letter to Theophilus and uh, this writing to Theophilus. And he is telling him, he is reporting unto him as a reporter. He is telling him all the things that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And so now we've come to the point where there are certain little intricacies in these scriptures that are, are worth taking the time to point out that Luke is referencing the words of Peter, the apostle, whom he has already declared was called by God, that he was called by Jesus Christ himself, and that Peter had witnessed the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus done. So now, he has already given validity to all of this, although it's taken me three nights to get here. Remember, this was just in a real short little, uh, we could read through this in about three minutes. And so, uh, you don't have to write that so much, Brother Nathan. Um, I know I could speed up, but uh, I like to take my time here. <laughs> I'm just picking on you. So Luke now is referencing Peter's words as he stood up in the crowd. So he's giving a report of what Peter said. He said, men and brethren, the Scripture must needs have been fulfilled. So now he is giving validity to the Scripture. So the first thing he did was he gave validity to the calling of the apostles. He gave validity uh, now to the Word of God. So he has first began to declare that if you want to know uh, the things that Jesus said. You cannot just go to Scripture and read the red letters and say, well, that's all that Jesus said. We have already declared that the apostles, if you want to know what Jesus said, you've got to believe the words that the apostles said because they were taught things that were not written in the Scripture. And so Luke is declaring all the things that Jesus began both to do and teach. John declares that if they were all put in a book, the world itself could not contain all the things that Jesus did. So therefore, now the validity of Scripture is given. And so he says the Scripture must needs have been fulfilled. So the, the first subject of Peter's message, as Luke is declaring, is the infallibility of of Scripture. The Scripture must needs 
have been fulfilled. And uh, which, he goes on, of course, to say, which by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit, by the mouth, which the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of David. Interesting here now. He is referring to David by the mouth of David, spake before concerning Judas. Now, uh, this begins to take the Old Testament and begins to bring it into the New Testament. Are you ready for this now? So he takes the Old Testament and he brings the Old, the Old Testament into the New Testament. So Peter, they, uh, uh, um, Luke declares Peter's words. It says, men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which by the Holy Ghost, which the Holy Ghost, by the mouth of David, the Old Testament now, spake before concerning Judas. Of course, we know the scripture declares that Holy men of old wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost or by the Holy Spirit. That's how we got the Scripture. And so now, of course, Peter is saying that David spoke before concerning Judas. So therefore, put this in account. When David spoke, Judas was not even alive. Neither was Jesus. But but David spoke of Judas in his writings. This is what Peter is declaring. He said, Judas, which was a guide to them that took Jesus. And that's exactly what Judas was. Recall this, how that in the Gospels we read how that Judas went and he took them and showed him there is the man and they took him from the garden and as Jesus was praying to let this cup pass from me, they of course come, Judas declares who Jesus is to, to those that were there, they take him and then of course we move into the passion time of his life, alright, so, um, so it speaks that David wrote as he was moved on by the Holy Ghost concerning Judas which was a guide to them, which, which took Jesus. So um, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled. So in other words, it certainly would be fulfilled. The prediction of God would most, would most certainly be fulfilled because if David wrote, as he was moved on by the Holy Ghost, it was the word of God. Anytime you read the scripture, never think it's the word of men. Where we go wrong is when we begin to look at the scripture and say, well, this is just the writings of men. You have several writers that wrote the Scripture. It was the writings of men. So I'm going to go to the Internet, and I'm going to read things that are on the Internet and accept them as truth. You can't do that. Well, so-and-so wrote in his book, just because it is published and bound in paper does not make it true. No matter what their education level is, it does not make it true. The only infallible written word is the Word of God. Everything else is subject to failure. There's a lot of good books that are written. Many, many good books, scholarly books that are written, but they are fallible. In other words, when man puts his twist on something, it becomes fallible. My words are fallible. When I put my words into something, when I put my thoughts 
even into my teaching and preaching, when I vary away from the Scripture, and I try to be as clear as possible with you to tell you when this is my opinion. I try to say that so you know. This isn't something that I have, I I may have done some research and I've reached a conclusion, but my conclusion may even seem to be maybe a little muddy. I may not be 100% solid on my belief, so I will usually in my teaching, I try to qualify that by saying, this is my opinion. And so you can decide if you want to be wrong. And so I bring it to you in that manner so that you know that when I move away from what I have scriptural proof for and now I'm moving to my own wisdom or I'm moving to a book I read or something that I learned in college, now I'm moving into something that is fallible. It's subject to fail. But the Word of God, ladies and gentlemen, cannot fail. And so when there is a prophecy in Scripture, it will come to pass. Every promise in the Word of God will come to pass. It is true. Every covenant in Scripture, will all, God will always keep His Word in His covenant. So you can take it to the bank. You can trust it. You can stand on it. So the Scripture is always going to be fulfilled. So then Luke goes on to give validity to the writers of the Old Testament and confirms that they are inspired by the Holy Ghost. So he is is giving validity to it that they were inspired by the Holy Ghost, which was not yet given to be in them, but the Holy Ghost was upon them. Does that make sense? Today we have the Holy Ghost in us. Then they had the Holy Ghost with them. And so the Holy Ghost moved upon them and inspired. It was the inspired Word of God. So the Holy Ghost moved upon them and they wrote. So he said, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake. The Holy Ghost was what was doing the speaking. You you read that? It wasn't David doing the speaking. It was the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David was doing the speaking. I want you to get that. When you read the scripture and somebody says, well, who was talking? The Holy Ghost was talking. No, it was David speaking. It was by the mouth of David, but it was the Holy Ghost doing the speaking. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been at the point when you are speaking and all of a sudden God inspires you with something and you know, wow, this is too smart for me. This is too wise for me. And you know God is giving you words to speak, literally, infallibly, the Word of God spoke through the mouth of David, and he began to write. And he did so concerning Judas, which was a guide to them that took Jesus. Now the subject turns to Judas. This is how he got to Judas. And so now the subject matter turns in Acts chapter 1 to Judas. Because now there is, there is going to be, there, there is something very important about to take place here. He is going to give validity to the handoff. I'm, I'm telling you what's going to happen in our text tonight before we ever get there. He is going to give validity to the handoff of ministries. This is why that the church did not die in the book of Acts, with the early apostles. 
So those who teach, and there are denominations that teach, there are churches that teach, that all of the things in the book of Acts died with the apostles. The very purpose of this portion of text that begins to deal with Judas is it is going to talk about the handoff of ministry and how that the ministry will always be propelled forward on and on by the will of God. Do you get that? Now that isn't my opinion, that's my explanation of what I'm about to teach you. All right, so here, here's what the scripture said. So Peter tells them as he stands up in this upper room, and they're in prayer and supplication, but he interrupts them in the middle of their prayer and supplication, for he, he's talking about Judas, was numbered with us. And he had obtained part of this ministry. Judas, he is giving validity to Judas. Now, Judas, of course, was very popular. You're going to see this in Scripture. Judas was very popular. People knew him because they knew that he was involved with the betrayal which led to the death of Jesus, which was a very popular event that had happened. And so as Luke is writing, given the account of Peter's message, as Peter is preaching, he stands up in the group in the middle of prayer meeting and he tells them, for Judas was numbered among us. And don't ever get this wrong. He was part of us. And being part of us, he obtained part of this ministry. Don't ever get this confused, ladies and gentlemen. Judas was once with us. He received a portion of this ministry. In other words, when Jesus was, was teaching, Judas was receiving. He was being imparted to. Just as much as we received from Jesus, Judas also received. Now, this is what I want to speak to you. There's some things I want to draw out of this now. And, and, and I, I just want to give you some clarity to a few things. Don't ever be confused by men who fall, by men who fail. Even men who are highly anointed, highly used. I've had people ask me many, many times. We've had evangelists that have come and preached in this church that no longer preach the truth. Very gifted evangelists, great preachers, great orators, very knowledgeable, very personable men that personally I still care a great deal about. I love them, want to see them restored. Don't ever get confused. Judas was once with us. He received part of this ministry. So in other words, don't be confused by men who fall. Now, I've had people say, well, they must have never been real. They must have been fake all along. Wrong. Even Judas was numbered with us. This is what he's saying. He obtained part of this ministry. In other words, the anointing of God can be upon them. They, they truly, there was a time when they were mightily anointed, but he failed. 
Judas was once with us. He was numbered among us. But he failed. He was one time. He is declaring he was one time true. He was with us. He was among us. He received part of this ministry, but he failed. I find it interesting that Peter, Luke is recording what Peter said. And basically, if I was to put it in modern day words, he said he received part of this apostolic transference. Judas did. He was mightily anointed of the Lord. Now here's some things I want to say to you tonight. Never judge a man's qualifications to ministry by his knowledge or by his ability. People can be highly, highly, highly gifted in certain areas. It does not mean that the approval of God is upon them. I've had people have asked, how could they have been so mightily used of God in such a way, yet they weren't living right in their heart? I'm going to try to help you understand this. Because a lot of people in turn say, see, I must be doing okay because I laid hands on somebody and they were healed. Or because I preached a message and many got the Holy Ghost. That is not a sign of God's approval on you. That is a sign of God's approval upon His Word. Remember, it was the Holy Ghost that spoke through the mouth of David. Yet David had, he had some pretty serious failure in his life. Yet the Holy Ghost through him, and we have... We even in the book of Acts have the writings of a man who had failed God in a major way. He had moral failure. He had murdered. So never judge a man's qualifications by his knowledge or his ability. Never judge the effects of a man's ministry and compare that to their heart. As a matter of fact, the scripture said that none of us can know our heart. Now, obviously, Judas did not backslide all at once. How many of you know that's true? Now, I know that word backsliding. I was told a few years ago to stop using that word. It was offending somebody in the church. I'm sorry to use a word that's biblical. Obviously, Judas didn't wake up one day and say, hmm, I think I'm going to go to betray Jesus. It did not happen. As a matter of fact, although he was with the disciples, he was there at the teachings, he received the apost- a part of the apostolic transference. This was a man that was one of the twelve. But there were some signs, there were some road signs along the way that if one looks carefully when the Bible talks about Judas, one might go, hmm, that's a marker to a greater problem in their life. That's why sometimes in preaching and teaching, sometimes I make things real clear and real plain and you don't have to think very hard who I might be calling out. 
There's a reason for that. Somebody might, because of a friendship, be blinded to the fact this person's full of some evil doings. Be careful. They're not about the church. They're not trying to bless the work of God. They're not trying to bless you. They're trying to use you to do destruction. So obviously Judas didn't backslide all at once. Remember in the, in the scripture, in the gospels, when Mary came to Jesus with the alabaster box of oil? Oh, if somebody would get up tonight and sing that song, you weren't there. If we had Sister Joy McGar here tonight, who should turn this place on their ear? Singing the alabaster box. Love the song. All right, remember that story in Scripture? Remember how that Mary comes to Jesus with an alabaster box and she breaks it, and that song tells it in such descriptive ways that all of the great dramas all are full of that depict that whole scene. It just moves me as Mary comes with an alabaster box. She breaks the box, pours it on Jesus. She washes his feet with her tears, dries his feet with the hair of her head. But in the middle of this incredibly passionate, spiritual, humbling moment, there was one person who had a problem with it. His name was Judas. Although it didn't cost Judas anything, Judas' heart was revealed by his, by his attitude toward a sacrifice that was made toward Jesus. Now, of course, he turned it. He put a spin on it. Be careful of spin, doctors. He put a spin on it. Well, this could have been sold and the money given to the poor. That's a good thing to do. There's nothing wrong with selling a gift and giving the money to the poor. That's good. Look at Judas. Oh, man, he is, I just hate the waste that's going on down there at the temple. I hate how Mary comes in and pours this expensive oil out on Jesus' feet. I just don't get the point. The issue is that the critical spirit of Judas was the beginning words that I find in Scripture that ends up in a backslidden condition. Yet after that, he continues to stay with Jesus. It's a few days later before he goes and betrays him for money. So the disciple turned critical disciple. Oh wait, maybe I need to back up. The disciple turned treasure by the appointment of Jesus himself. Turned critical and ended up the betrayer. 
there was a problem in Judas's heart all along. Yet, he was one of the disciples. He was numbered among us. He received a part of this ministry. But there was a heart problem all that time. I've heard people all through my life, I've had it said to me, I've had it said in this church, I've had it said in other churches that I've worked in. I've had people come and say, well, I had a call of God on my life, but I was never allowed to be used. There may have been a reason for that. Judas, somewhere along the way, maybe there was something that was detected in your spirit where God said, no. Sooner or later, what is hidden beneath the surface of the heart is going to come out and be revealed in your actions. Is this too much for Wednesday night? So, Judas, who was numbered among us, there's a problem in his heart all along, yet he continued to serve and do the work of ministry. So let me answer the question that I raised earlier. How could someone be used of God in such a way, yet they're not living right in their heart? Here's how. God is more concerned about his work being accomplished than he is the vessel that he uses to accomplish it. He's more concerned about his work being accomplished than he is the vessels that he uses to accomplish it. That's why that he can work through someone who, a Judas who is not right, yet he accomplishes his mission through them. That's why you can never say, well, I must be okay. I came to church, I prayed, and I felt God. That's all I needed to know is that I felt the presence of God. So that means that God's hand is upon my life. He is blessing me, and he is approving what I have done wrong. Someone walks away from what they know is truth, know is morality, know is godliness, know is righteousness, and they go their own way and say, well, I must be all right because I still feel the presence of God. No, that does not mean that's the mercy and grace of God that is still tugging at your heart trying to turn you right. He's trying to get through your thick skull and your hard heart, and he's still moving with you on his spirit. It does not mean that God is approving of your evil actions. Or it must be okay. God must be okay with me because I'm used in some special gifting or used in some powerful way. Wrong. If God can't find a man, he will cause a donkey to talk. What does that say about us? When we qualify our being used of God as God's approval on our life. And if he can't find a man or he can't find a donkey, he'll ride on the wall. But he's going to speak and accomplish his purpose for which he is sending. But be certain, eventually, Judas, whatever is in your heart, 
will eventually be revealed. Verse 18. Now this man, Judas, of course it's talking about. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. Ooh, what a gruesome scripture. Now, some try to create some controversy over verse 18. And they, they, they try to say, well, the scripture contradicts itself because Acts 1 and 18 uh, is, is, is contradictory to Matthew 27, 5. So uh, Luke wrote, and he said that a man purchased a field with the iniquity. He fell headlong, burst asunder. So he's saying Judas died by falling. And yet Matthew says in Matthew 27, 5, he said, Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. So people say, well, there's controversy. I don't believe there's controversy. The Scripture never contradicts itself. Sometimes our understanding and sometimes translation may cause a little controversy in our mind because of the lack of understanding and clarity. So obviously the Scripture does not contradict itself, and obviously the Scripture is always true. So we have two descriptions of the very same event. So what we can draw from both Acts 1 and the book of Matthew and his account is obviously Judas committed suicide. And obviously from the money that was given to Judas, Judas tried to in some moment of an almost repentant heart, he throws the money back on the steps and they pick it up and with that money purchase the field that Judas dies in. It's the best understanding I can have of Scripture. Because both accounts must be true. And so therefore, it's from the money that was thrown, which must have been some barren wasteland that Judas dies in and commits suicide. And so nobody wanted to have any part of that. So he commits suicide by hanging himself. Luke, the physician, gives a more detailed corner-like description or report of what was described. That what happened to the human body, death by falling, he says. And then the gruesome details along with it. Somebody's horn is going off outside. In case you can't hear, you all may want to check or maybe one of our guys in the back wants to step out and see who it is. I just keep hearing a horn honk behind me. Well, this is church. So the gruesome details, Luke is giving these very gruesome, gruesome details of what happened to the human body through the death by, by, by falling, he says. Well, hanging would be falling. The scripture must be true. And so what happened was that his bowels were burst asunder. And he goes into all of these gruesome details. Now verse 19. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem. Hmm. Everybody say all. Now everybody's listening for that horn that's going off outside. Everybody's trying to hear it and not listening to me. It was known, it was known to all 
the dwellers at Jerusalem. So everybody knew about this in so much that the field where Judas died that was purchased by the money that was given for him to lead the Roman soldiers and point out Jesus in the betrayal. It is called in proper tongue, Aceldalma, some sort, something close to that maybe. That is to say, the field of blood. So, I think we have a pretty clear account that Judas receives money for the betrayal of Jesus. He throws the money on the temple street, on the temple steps. They pick up the money. They purchase the field in which Judas ran and hanged himself. And everybody throughout Jerusalem knows about it and knows about this field. Verse 20, for it is written in the book of Psalms. Oh, now we're back talking about what David had already wrote about. You see how the scripture just folds together? So for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric, bishopric let another take. Now that last phrase is the purpose of this whole story being placed here. The reason for the whole little story about Judas and what Judas had done was to talk about Judas was one time with us, now he's no longer with us because he committed suicide. And you know about this story because everybody in Jerusalem knows about it because from the money that he had gained, the field is bought. Let his habitation be desolate, David says. Oh, this field, this field that nobody wants anything to do with, everybody knows about, but nobody goes there. You don't go to this field because it is there. Nobody will ever live there. Nobody's going to buy it and build a house there. Nobody wants anything to do with it. It is desolate. Let no man dwell therein. That's where Judas died. And then this line, let his bishopric, let another take. Now, here's a little Bible study tidbit for you. Sometimes when you, we read the Bible, for instance, you read through the book of Psalm and you think it's talking about us because we've had a bad day. Everybody okay? So you've had a bad day, you open the book of Psalm, you read through it, and it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right to me, oh that's right what I've been through today. This is talking about me, Woo! I'm encouraged. Luke quotes a portion of Psalm, and he says, it's not about you. As a matter of fact, it's about Judas. Now, when I read Psalm 69, it changes the whole image because it's about David crying out to God in repentance for his sin, but it also references an image of Jesus who is dying on the cross. And so these two, that's the beauty of the Bible because when you start reading these, if you, if you don't spend some time studying, sometimes you read through and it's like, well, I really don't know what all that meant. Spend some more time. Study it and see clearly what is happening because David is crying out in repentance for sin, Old Testament, right? But it's also a picture of Jesus dying on the cross for that sin that couldn't be remitted in the Old Testament. 
So it's a beautiful picture in the New Testament that Jesus is dying on the cross. And the connection between these two is the betrayal, the death of Jesus. So remember, Jesus was not yet born when David wrote Psalm 69. So he says, save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink deep in mire where there is no standing. I'm come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I'm weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. He speaks of his own condition here. David is speaking of his condition because of his sin. And he's crying out of his own condition. And in this, he depicts an image of the cross. He doesn't even know about a cross because Jesus is not even born yet. Yet the Holy Ghost is moving upon him and he's speaking the words the Holy Ghost was giving, given that is given a beautiful image of Jesus dying on the cross for people who go through and feel the way that David felt. Because for thy sake I have borne reproach, shame hath covered my face. See, Isaiah the prophet writes about the same scene and he says, Surely he hath borne our grief and carried our sorrow. David said, For, for, for thy sake have I borne reproach and shame hath covered my face. We read it and say, Oh, I'm, I'm carrying all this reproach for the name of the Lord. You're missing the point. Verse 21 of Psalm 61, they gave, me all, they gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Whoa. See how clear that is as Jesus is on the cross? Pour out thine indignation upon them, and let thy wrath, anger, take hold of them. Let their habitation be desolate. This is the text that in the book of Acts is written and referred to that David, Luke, Peter says, Luke writes, Peter says about David, there's a lot of people involved here. Let their habitation be desolate and let none dwell in their tents. Now in the book of Acts, Luke says this is about Judas. Peter says it's about Judas. Luke writes. Now notice he mentions his bishopric let another take. So from the money, from the money, they bought a field because nobody could ever live there. And so then it closes out his bishopric let another take. Now the word bishopric is speaking of his ministry. You know, the ministry we started out talking about tonight, when it said Judas was with us and he received part of this ministry. Now it's saying his ministry, after all that happened and that field was bought where he died, but his bishopric let another take. David is speaking as the Holy Ghost moved upon him in the Old Testament before Jesus was ever born about Judas who was going to betray him 
And now Peter is drawing the parallel back to the Old Testament. This, that writing that we've been reading about all these years is about Judas. His bishopric let another take. So in the middle of prayer meeting, Peter gets up explaining the scripture. In other words, he is saying, let someone else fill his shoes in ministry. This is why it's here. The whole purpose of that whole text being there is it becomes very clear that he is saying, let someone else fill his shoes in ministry. Please notice the work of ministry does not stop with a person. So therefore, when people say, well, the, the de- all of that work and all of that apostolic ministry, it all died with the, with the apostles. No, it did not. That ministry, that apostolic ministry, let another take. When he died, everything that he had needs to be transferred and given to another so that the work of ministry always goes on. Because whether they fall or they die, God always has a man to take on the work of ministry. Don't ever reach a point of thinking the church can't go on without me. Because God always has a man waiting in the wings. The moment that you think, boy, I'm going to really hurt that church. No, you're going to hurt yourself. Because God always has a man. My heart bleeds for people who believe that they are so powerful and so mighty. You know who hurts? We hurt. Do you know I literally hurt for people? Even this afternoon, this evening, in my office as I'm reading through my notes and and, and preparing. uh, And last week as I was working and preparing for this lesson, both times I found myself thinking on people who had this idea Boy, I'm going to really get it, that church. No, they destroyed themselves. Because God always has a man. Because even the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. So when you do something to fight against the church, or to hurt the church, or to affect the church in a negative way, you're only going to hurt yourself. Because whether the man is right or whether the man is wrong, God's work is going to go on. And so when you think the church can't go on without me, wrong. Well, boy, they're going to really miss my tithing down there. He'll send the fish with gold in its mouth. Well, they're going to really miss my worship because, boy, I'm a good, strong voice. He'll cause a rock. Well, I'm going to leave and go somewhere else. And boy, they're going to fill it. He'll send three new families. Don't ever think that God doesn't have somebody else ready to step up to the plate. 
I'm not suggesting anyone go. Matter of fact, I'm reaching for everyone and telling everyone, whether you're listening to a podcast or whether you're in the room tonight, I'm trying to tell you God always has a man. The best thing to do is repent of your evil ways and live right and do right and support the work that God is trying to do in your life and through your life. Bottom line. Get right with God and do right because your motive to hurt or to destroy or to affect will never work because you're fighting against a power that created you. You may hurt me. You may hurt the people that love you and sit close to you and are your neighbor, but you're not going to hurt the work of ministry because God will always have a man. His bishopric, let another take. So let's pick back up with Peter's words. So I believe that the purpose of this, notice I said I believe that the purpose of all of this is explaining that apostolic ministry will always go on. Though people fail, leave the work of ministry, whether they die, whatever it is, the work of ministry will always go on. So let's pick back up with Peter's words to those gathered in the upper room. Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. So he is getting ready now. So he's saying, these men that I'm about to introduce to you, or perhaps he's saying, all these men that are gathered here. Whether he's saying one or the other, I'm not sure. But he's saying, these men that are here with us, they have been with us the entire time. In other words, there was more than just the 12 that were always there with Jesus. These men have been with us the entire time. They went in and out among us. Verse 22, beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us. So therefore we knew, we knew that the the disciples were there, but what we didn't know was that there were other men who were there. The Bible never speaks about them. Until here, here Peter is declaring to these people that are in the middle of a prayer meeting, excuse me, let me interrupt you. Let me talk to you for a minute about this Judas guy and how somebody else needs to take his ministry. And I'm about to introduce to you these men, these men that have been faithful. They've been there the whole time. They have walked close to Jesus. They've heard his teachings. So Peter gave qualifications for one who would replace Judas. It was, of course, where we get the qualifications of the apostles. He was with Jesus from the baptism of John until until his ascension, the day that he was taken up. So there is the qualifications from where we gather the apostles. Yet, the apostolic ministry does not die because understand, the apostle Paul called himself an apostle, of course, The Apostle Paul did not personally witness in a physical way. He did not visibly see the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Yet, called himself an apostle. He identified with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And here's how that he did so. He identified with his death by repentance, his burial by baptism, his resurrection by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, he called himself an apostle. 
And so he was one whom the apostleship, if I can use that term, whether it be correct or not, I'm going to use it. So this apostolic transference begins to happen. This is what, this is what Peter is saying to them. His bishopric, another let another take. So in other words, this apostolic anointing that is upon the disciples, upon the apostles, now is going to go on. It's going to carry on. So he gives the qualifications of the apostle. Now I want you to notice this. There has, since the beginning, there has always been qualifications for ministry. There was qualifications for ministry in the Old Testament, and there's qualifications for ministry even in the New Testament. Let me speak to you young men and women in this room today. There is, has always been qualifications for ministry. You can, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how talented you are, no matter how eloquent you are, no matter how educated you are, you can disqualify yourself from ministry. As much as I wish that that wasn't the case, you can disqualify yourself from ministry. There has always been qualifications for ministry. So when people are gifted and talented and people are like, well, I don't understand. I don't understand why I'm not used. If you're not submitted, you're not going to be used. If I know about sin in your life, you're not going to be used. If I know your attitude stinks at the moment that there is, see, you, 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 you know when you really find out how submitted someone is? Is that the, it's at the, the moment that somebody, at the moment of disagreement. You don't know if a person is submitted until you say no. You don't know if a person is submitted until there has been a disagreement. Now you find out how submitted to the person that God has placed over you, how submitted you really are. As long as everything's yes and everything is in agreement, there's no problem. Well, I just disagree with him on that issue. How submitted are you? So there, there are qualifications. And there's always been qualifications to be used in ministry. And while that they're in the upper room in one accord in prayer, they also were involved in the first recorded business meeting. They really were. They're in the middle of prayer. Peter's like, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> somebody stop her. She's not in the Holy Ghost. Stop her. Uh, let, let me have your attention. I want to preach to you today about this man named Judas. And he starts preaching. And so he gets here. And so he says, all these men have been with us. And he's about to lead the first business meeting. Of course, they don't know it's a business meeting because they've never had a church business meeting before. And they appointed two. Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. I like Matthias better. I'm glad he was chosen because we didn't have to go through his names. Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice. It'd take forever to get that out. So we know who replaced Judas. His name was Matthias. Much more simple. John. That's all I needed. John. Matthias. So they appointed two. Now he said, all these men have been with us but they appointed two, Justice and Matthias. 
Verse 24, they prayed and said, Lord, which knoweth the hearts of all men? See, we can't know the heart of people. There is an element of faith that we've got to trust that God's will is going to be fulfilled. Show whether of these two thou hast chosen. So we say, Lord, we chose two, but you need to decide which of these two. They're both qualified. They both can do the job. But God, there is a God factor in this. Can I take us back to the point here? The point is in apostolic ministry, there is a God factor in all of this. People, I don't understand this and I don't understand that. There is a God factor in this. Well, I'm going to quit, take my toys and go home. Fine, there's a God factor. He'll have somebody else step in. And that's going to make matters worse. For me and for you. So they prayed. He lists these qualifications. They declare, God, you know the hearts of men. In other words, we can't know people's hearts. Lord, we've chosen two. Now we're asking you, Lord, who have you chosen? Verse 25, that he may take part of this ministry and what word? What word? Apostleship. Lord, who have you chosen? Because Judas really was with us. He had part of this ministry. He's gone. Lord, who have you chosen to take this ministry, to take part of this ministry and apostleship? No, I think it all died with those, that, that first original 12. No, the whole idea is that there is always the transference. God planned the transference. I believe this is why the book of Acts opens with this. Because in the modern day church, that's why I still believe that the five-fold ministry must be in operation in the church today. I wish I had stronger amen than that. The five-fold ministry must continue in operation. It did not die with the early church. And so these gifts, these giftings, this ministry is chosen by God. Not every man is going to be a pastor. Not everybody's going to be a teacher. Not everybody is going to be a prophet. We live in a day that we have prophets for profit. It's cool today to be a prophet. Be careful. If that's not your gifting and your calling, don't try to operate in the area where God has not gifted or called you. Don't feel pressure to do what God has or has not called you to do. You do what God has laid upon your heart. Maybe we should only feel pressure to do what God has called us to do. I want to re-quote what I just said. Let somebody try to use it against me. We must be very careful that we operate in the area of giftings and callings that God has placed in our life. And so not everybody's going to be a teacher. Not everybody's going to be a pastor. Not everybody's going to be an apostle. And so this apostleship, that he may take part. God, we want you to choose. So in this, they prayed, God, we've chosen two. We want to know whom you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place. So 
This gives the biblical example of how Matthias was chosen. The only reason that I can gather of why that this would have been put in this text was for us to understand that this apostolic anointing from the beginning was trans, is transferred from, from one to the next. It is ordained by God. It is a call of God. It, it is chosen by God just as much, just as much, as the first, see we've already covered that in the first lessons. If you missed the first two lessons, you missed the fact that he qualified. These men were called by God himself. Jesus Christ himself handpicked these disciples. That's what he said. He handpicked them. He taught them. He called them. The scripture used those terms that he chose them, he called them, and he taught them. So those whom he chose he called, he taught, now one of them falls, but the ministry doesn't go on because even one out of the 12 that Jesus chose turned out to be a bad apple. Don't get angry with leadership if we don't always get it right and somebody we choose and put in position don't always turn out to be the way we think it, they are. Even Jesus had one that he chose fail. So there must always be leeway in the church that we may not always get it right. Don't lose faith and quit the church and quit Jesus and get mad and get angry because somebody messes up. Judas betrayed him, yet the apostle stayed in the apostleship. Always stay with the ship. You're not Jesus, and you're not going to walk on water. Stay in the ship. Don't get hurt and offended. So here's the biblical example of how Matthias was chosen. Verse 26, and they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Now, I'm sharing, some of the things I'm sharing with you are things that I was taught in Bible college that I personally maybe have not referenced, but I recall the teaching of how that it was explained, and I clearly remember Brother A.B. Keating was our instructor, and I remember going through the book of Acts with him, and I remember him, he taught my, my Acts class, and I recall so vividly as he described uh, the, the, the act of lots. He says this, the casting of lots, was, it, was not, it was not considered a game of risk. Yet we do see and understand the carnal mind would say it's a game of chance. And so therefore it was just by chance that Matthias was chosen. But it was not just a game of chance. They prayed, they trusted that it was the will of God. And it was how men from, remember, here's the transfer, the transference from the Old Testament into the New Testament. It was how they, they had learned to trust God. And so there was, there was a, a man would carry with him some sort of an object, be it a block, be it a coin, be it whatever it was. He described it as perhaps maybe a, a piece of pottery or a piece of wood that they would carry with them. And they would, they would every man would have, that was his lot. And so therefore it would be no different tonight than us say, uh, take off your right shoe. Everybody take off your right shoe and bring it up here and let's throw it in the baptistry. 
and then we're going to have somebody come and be blindfolded and they're going to reach in the baptistry and they're going to pull out a right shoe and we're going to match it. Chances are, probably style and size, nobody in the room has the same identical shoe. And so therefore, we would call that a game of chance. Every man would carry something that was part of his identity. It was, it was his lot. And so therefore, he would carry it. It was an identifying mark that he carried with him. We perhaps may carry in our wallets, uh, in your purses. Perhaps you carry a Social Security card or a driver's license or some form of identification. The military, of course, carry a, a dog tag that would be around. It was, it was an identifying mark. So much like the military would have a dog tag, a man would carry a lot that represented him. It was not, another would not have one identical to it. And so when they cast their lots, it was, of course, as they gambled at the feet of Jesus, they used that as a gambling mechanism. But people who trusted God and walked with God used that. In this example, they took these two men, took their lots, dropped them in a bag. There's two in a bag. They prayed and trusted that God's will would be done by the drawing of the lot. And so therefore, that's how Matthias was chosen. And so the lot fell upon Matthias. He was numbered with the eleven. So don't, don't ever get caught up and say, well, this boy, that's, that's good. There's the first biblical example of how I have freedom to go gamble. Not so. But if you fail and you sin, make sure you pay your tithing and give to the building fund. So this was not, this was not used as an example of gambling, but rather this was used as an example of how Matthias was chosen by the will of God. I just looked up and realized that I've gone over time tonight. I had no clue. I just realized that I'm over time. Or am I, maybe I'm 20 minutes short tonight. Do we get out at 9? <laughs> so my talk on the purpose of this text being included is that Luke is given validity to those who were chosen for the work of ministry beyond the original 11. He's saying that this work of ministry is going to go on. And so today, in the apostolic world, I believe that the work of ministry still goes on. I believe people are still chosen by God, called of God. They are the man or woman of God that is chosen to do the work of ministry. So in the next lesson, we will pick up in Acts chapter 2. God bless you. Stand with me tonight. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the inspiration of your word. I pray tonight now, God, over every home and family, over every individual that is in the room tonight, I pray your blessings upon them. Lord, be with us as we depart from this house tonight and keep us very near to you. We pray in Jesus.